Hello dear friends, welcome to Spirit Life After Life by Alan Kardec, based on the beautiful book Heaven and Hell, the second part, we're focusing on different cases of spirits reporting back to us about their life experience after their so-called death, after they have left their physical form on earth behind. And we have entered a new area, a new chapter, which is the suffering spirits. And among the suffering spirits, we talked about a spirit by the name of Michael last, year, last week, who was particularly um, asking for prayer to help himself be disconnected from his, from his physical form. And today, dear friends, we will be looking at another case, exciting. This time, this case is called the regrets of a bon vivant. Regrets of a beau vivant. What is a beau vivant? A beau vivant could be translated like a socialite. Somebody who is quite materialistically inclined, ready to party, enjoy the good life, a socialite. So before we begin, dear friends, I would like to invite you, and before I say hello to our community, I invite you to if you can, close your eyes for just a minute and feel your body wherever you are with your feet on your ground, on the ground, connected firmly to our beautiful Mother Earth. And we're opening our crown chakra to the heavens, connecting our mind and our hearts with our beloved Jesus, our master and guide and model. And of course, God, but also the good spirits who are present in our homes, the mentor spirits that are part of Kardec Radio, and our own personal mentors who are always on our side to guide and help us. And also, we welcome the beautiful spirits that are surrounding us and living in our homes and wherever we find ourselves right at this moment, we're inviting them in to learn from Jesus, from Alan Kardec, from all the good spirits, a new lesson for our own lives, to allow us to open and align our hearts with the GPS of Christ, so that we may be harmonizing ourselves within ourselves and with God and, and Jesus, but also among each others as we're entering the sacred international classroom tonight. And we're humbly asking for permission to start tonight's gathering and lesson. And so be it. Dear friends, I'm seeing there's Juarez Jr. Welcome, friend. Thank you so much for, for joining. There's Teresa Castro, dear friend. Thank you for being here. So lovely to have you. And then there's, oh, there's Tony. Hi, Tony. So lovely to have you too. Thank you so much for joining. As you can see, it is still daylight in California. We're broadcasting from Northern California in the Sierra Nevada foothills. And um, we're part of two, we're cooperating with two different spiritist centers 
It's Bezea Spiritual Healing Center in near Sacramento, California, and Divine Light Spiritist Center in Nevada City, California. All right, friends, let's dive in. We have a lot to cover tonight. Exciting stuff to learn. So our Bon Vivant is being evoked in 1862 on July 30th. And his first um, sentence in July 30th is about he, he passed away on April 19th. So he was already a few months on the other side in, in the spirit life. So he says, right now I'm less unhappy because I no longer feel the heavy chain that held me to my body. So what are we learning from this first sentence? We're understanding that he must have already disconnected his peri spirit very well from his physical form. This is in contrast to our Michael from last week, who had a really hard time disconnecting his peri spirit from his body. And that is why he asked so repeatedly and strongly for prayers with the, to, to have him be helped with that. But here, this guy is, and it could be a girl, <laughs> we don't know, um, is already detached. And so he or she is, I'm just going to say he as we move forward, but that does not exclude she, of course. We don't know whether he's a, he or she is a female or male. But he's less unhappy, he's saying, because he feels disconnected. That's good news. So let's see what else he's saying. I'm finally free, he reports, but I haven't concluded my expiation. So he knows already too. He's lucid and he's realizing that he has not been all perfect in his previous incarnation. And that's big. That's a big realization. I need to make up for lost time. If I don't want to prolong my suffering. So let us pause, friends. He wants to make up for lost time. Well, we're reminded of the fact which we find as a matter of fact, let's start with Jesus in the Home by Neo Lucio. There's a beautiful story, and, and I think it's on page 87. I don't know which number it is, but you can find it on, eight, on page 87 in Jesus in the Home. And it's called, the title of the story is The Divine Talisman. Now, can you guess what the Divine Talisman is? I'm going to give you some clues. The disciples approached Jesus that night and they said to him, what is it that you could tell us or teach us? Do you have a talisman so we could do more the good, we could develop more, we could become wiser, something that will help us in our duties. And Jesus said, yes, indeed, there is something, there is such a thing as a divine talisman. And then he goes on to say, it helps you with understanding each other. It helps you and supports you in meditation and prayer. It also helps you and allows you to settle conflicts among each others. And you can also spread peace with this beautiful divine talisman. And you can educate yourself and others with it. And lastly, there is never any shortage of doing the good for which you will need the divine talisman. And without it, you will not be able to connect with light and peace. You will not be able to work 
for light and peace. And the disciples were, tell us, what is it? What is the divine talisman? We want to know, we want to have it. It sounds amazing. And I'm paraphrasing. It's a beautiful story. I invite you to read it. And Jesus says, it is time. Time is the divine talisman that affords you to do all of what I just mentioned. And if we think, dear friends, that we are being born with a little package, I was just thinking about that the other day, with this little package that is different in size for each and every single one of us. And that is the time that God has gifted us with to do our duty, to fulfill our duty, to do our work in this lifetime. We don't know when it runs out. We have no idea, but it is a gift, this package of time. And we're here for, we got this time most and foremost to educate ourselves, both intellectually as well as morally educate ourselves, to do the goods, to work on our inner transformation, to help others, to be charitable. By giving, we receive. And that is what our dear friend, the bon vivant, the socialite, is regretting. He's regretting that he has not used his time wisely. We're also reminded of in Missionaries of the Light by Andre Louise. His mentor, Alexander, tells him at some point that about 80%, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little bit less, of the time that's being allotted to humans on earth is being squandered away. It's not being used wisely. And here is our first question that we want to ask ourselves in our own hearts and minds. And if we can't do it right now, we're invited to take it into our nightly meditation. Where am I at in terms of wasting time, making the most of the time that has been gifted to me by God. Shall we do that, dear friends? I invite you to ask yourself. You don't need to report at all. It is just for our own personal knowing. Where are we at? Do we have room to grow in using our time more wisely? The next thing I would like to, within the time frame, um, I mean, with the subject time, I would like to go to this beautiful book, Money. It is also written by our dear friend, Emmanuel. Money, perfect book, beautiful, very educational. Our dear Dr. Vanessa Anzalone did an amazing study group several years ago on Cardiac Radio. I've, I saw it on podcast. You can pull it up and listen to it. It is warmly recommended. So we're going to page 139, and there is a chapter where Emmanuel talks about talents. And um, let's see, yeah, 139. And he tells us also about the gifts we receive. He says, each of us receives an inheritance of past possibilities of service that characterize our tendency in this world, according to the merits and needs that we may present. So based on the life we've lived before, based on the beautiful seeds we have planted in our past existences and in the past of our own current lives. Based on that, we have received certain inheritance, a certain inheritance, and also the opportunity to do the good, 
depending, basing, based on our merits, based on our knowledge, based on our talents. And he says, for this reason, it is indispensable to use time wisely. To use time wisely until the Lord takes account of the credits he generously lent us. Time is a gift. Time is a gift by God. Let's take a deep breath. This is a deep lesson for us. It is something that we all have and all we're gifted with and all are invited to do the most with. Let us go back to our bon vivant. So he regrets the lost time and it causes him pain. Then he says, I hope that God will take into account the sincerity of my repentance. He is repenting and will grant me forgiveness. Let us pause again. You may remember that it might, might have been last time or maybe the week before, we looked at the three steps of undoing past wrongs. And we're going back to page, um, right here in Heaven and Hell, chapter five, page 122, just to remind ourselves so, because it's very important. It's something that we can do right now in our lives. We can work with these three steps of regeneration. And repentance is the first step that our friend is embarking on. So the three steps of regeneration, of our undoing our past wrongs, which we can start today. And they, the past wrongs may be related to this lifetime, but it may also be related to other lifetimes is repentance and it is the realization essentially repentance is the doorway to the next two steps which are expiation and reparation it is realizing that we may have done some things that need expiation and reparation we need to have an open heart and mind to it it takes a certain consciousness so repentance is the first step expiation then um, let's see, where's expiation consists then in our physical um, and mental experience. It's a form of suffering. Expiation is undoing past wrongs through our lifetimes here on earth. It is mental and physical suffering that we experience as a result of painful seeds we planted in our garden of eternity. And then reparation consists then in doing, in righting the wrong. It is something that we can do to repair the damage we may have caused, the pain we may have um, passed on to someone. And we're always invited to repair, to, to, yes, to repair our past wrongs in this lifetime. If it is someone we have wronged, to reach out today and undo it in this lifetime because the problem is not going away. We will take it with us. And this is a blessed divine opportunity to be in this body, to have this opportunity to do the reparation. So repentance, expiation and reparation are the three steps towards rehabilitation that we're invited to embark on every single day, no matter whether it's regarding this lifetime or previous lifetimes. Further on, 
let us go to the spirits book and um, the spirits book has a whole chapter on repentance we have question number 990 if you would like to follow along question 990 it's in the third part of the spirits book let's see 909 it's actually all the way at the end yes all the way at the end and Alan Kardec in Expiation and Repentance. It's a whole chapter on it where we can educate ourselves further about it. He's asking, does repentance take place in the corporeal or the spirit state? And dear friends, we already know the answer because our beau vivant, our spirit um, socialite, said he is already repenting. So the answer is, it is in the spirit state. But it may also take place in the corporeal life, life when you clearly comprehend the difference between good and evil. And that is our proposition, to learn, to discern, with the help of spiritism and the good spirits, to, light the, to turn the light on, to discern between good and evil. So what is repentance? It belongs to the spirit life, but also can happen in the corporeal life. And then we have question 991. What is the consequence of repentance in the spirit state? And the answer is the spirit's desire for a new incarnation in order to purify itself. And that could then take the form of expiation. It comprehends the imperfections that have kept it from being happy. And that is exactly what our beau vivant is experiencing. He's repenting. He feels regrets that he has not used his time more wisely. And then we have question 992. What is the consequence of repentance in the corporeal state? In the corporeal state. What is the consequence of repentance in the corporeal state? And that is our state, right? It is advancement while in the present corporeal life. If one has the time to mend one's wrongs. And here we go back, it ties so beautifully into our divine talisman, which is the gift of time we have received, right? So this is our blessed golden opportunity to undo past wrongs because we are in the body. Lastly, we go to chapter, no, we're not, we're moving on. Sorry guys. All right, back to our friend here. So he has lost, he regrets lost time, but he's starting to repent. Keep praying for me still, he says. I beg you. My brothers, I only lived for myself and now I'm expiating it and suffering. Aha, one more thing. He was selfish. He was self-absorbed and lived primarily for his himself. He missed the divine opportunity to be of service. And we're always reminded to reflect it back onto our own lives, to ask ourselves, where am I in that? May God grant you the grace to avoid the thorns that tear at me. He's teaching us, friends. He's saying that hopefully we won't make the same mistake. Follow the broad path of the Lord and pray for me, he says again. For I abuse the blessings that God loans his creatures. So we've already learned that time is a loan from God. But now we're actually going even deeper because there is more that God has loaned us than time. 
there is a lot more. We're going to Thought and Life, Chapter 63. Wonderful book. Again, on Cardiac Radio, I think there's a glare. I don't know whether you can see it. Um, anyway, you may not be able to see it. Anyway, Thought and Life, another beautiful study that Vanessa did on Cardiac Radio. Chapter 16 is the vocation. And here, Emmanuel now tells us that, for example, a professional title, a professional title is a letter of credit we receive to help us produce ennobling reflexes in our lives. So even our professions, we've been loaned to by God and we're invited, we're, we're asked to do the good with it. And then he says, the Divine Master invites us to consider the professional responsibilities on loan to us by infinite, infinite goodness. Friends, yes, it is probably, we want to say, pretty much everything we have in our lives that to some degree is on loan to us by God. And what does that mean when we receive a loan? These loans need to be repaid. And how do we repay them best and most effectively? By love, by returning love to do the good. As Emmanuel says in chapter 10, I think it is in Thought and Life, we need to seek the good. We need to visualize the good. We need to speak the good, to do the good and mold it with all the resources that we can muster. And that is for us to undo the chains that we have forged against our own self, the shackles that we forged against our own selves in previous times. Beautiful, isn't it? It is so lovely to get such a clear roadmap, to know exactly what we need to do. And now we just need to do it. Right, friends? Let's go back to our friend here. Those who sacrifice their God-given intelligence and good sentiments to their brute instincts on the other side, on the other hand, are like the animals they often mistreat. Let us pause again. So we know we need to make better use of our time. We know our friend started his repentance, his expiation, and he's on his way because he's feeling regrets. We know that we receive time and, of course, other things like our profession on loan. And now we're being told that we need to use our God-given intelligence to do the good and not to succumb to brute instincts like the animals we often mistreat. Friends, let us see. We can go deeper on this one. Our instincts. What are our instincts? Let us go to um, the Spirit's Book, Chapter 4. There is a chapter called Vital Principle. And you find that, it's question 73. And here we're being told what instincts are. The wise, Alan Kardec asked the wise spirits, is instinct something other than intelligence? And the answer was, not exactly. It is a type of intelligence. So instinct is a type of intelligence. Instinct is non-reasoning intelligence through which all beings provide their own needs. We do know that animals have instincts, friends, right? 
So here it is reasoning, it's non-reasoning intelligence. That is what instincts are. Now, when we go further to question, let's see, let me put this here. All right. 75. Instinct is rudimentary intelligence. It differs from intelligence per se in that its manifestations are almost always spontaneous, while those of intelligence are the result of planning and did the deliberate action. So we can easily understand that, right? If we use our intellect, we think things through. However, sometimes our first hit is our instinct. We like to override it and we'd like to not listen to it often, but there is instinct in us even when our intelligence is developed and even when our moral development is already on its way, we still have instincts. And so when our friend is saying that the brute instincts, we're realizing that there's several types of instincts, right? We can use our instinct to make good decisions, but we can also use our instinct to do bad things. And we know that in animals. For example, when my dog gets threatened, he barks. Other dogs who get even more threatened, and I don't know whether my dog would maybe do that, they bite. And it's their survival instinct. So they would do something painful and bad in a way. They would hurt for their own survival. So that can happen too, right? So we can hurt ourselves and each other by using our instinct into the wrong direction. Now, let us go to the gospel. And it is chapter 11. That will help us further to understand on page 188. Um, interesting, because here... We learn that at the law of love by Lazar, he's teaching us that at their origin, humans have only instincts. So when we start, when we're less developed than we are today, all we have is instincts, like an animal. More advanced and corrupted, they have only sensations. So once we develop a little bit further, our next step on the evolutionary scale is to have sensations. And then more educated and purified, humans have sentiments. And what is the exquisite apex of sentiment? Love. Love is the apex, apex, apex of all the sentiments. It's love. So when we're really highly developed beings, we're more and more tuned into love. So we're going from instincts to um, sensations and from sensations to sentiments. Friends, that is our evolutionary step. So we are, with the help of tuning into God and Jesus, on our way to expanding the love we have, we feel, we give. And we're going on. We're continuing. So we're invited to not succumb to our brute instincts alone, but, and to not mistreat our animals. Men must soberly, he says, soberly use the things entrusted to them and should accustom 
themselves to living without losing sight of the eternity awaiting them. So we also need to keep always in mind that this is not our only lifetime, that there is a future life, that there's life after life, there will be future incarnations, and we have probably already spent millennia in different life forms. So we're eternal spirits with eternity. They must detach themselves, so humans must detach themselves from material pleasures, he says. So he's reminding us not to be too materialistic. We need to detach ourselves from material pleasures. Their food should have no other purpose but to give them strength, friends. Our food only for strength. Luxury should be kept to the requirement of their social position. Their tastes and even their most natural propensities should be subject to sane reasoning. So let us pause because this is interesting. We're being told to be sober around our food consumption and to focus in our food choices and how we treat food and eating by feeding our strength. We will be going to the law of destruction in the spirits book. Beautiful law that our dear friend Carol Cohere is currently discussing and you can find her presentations that are so illuminating and eye-opening and so educational currently on Cardiac Radio every Saturday. She is presenting um, the laws, the divine laws, and currently she is at the law of destruction. So let us quickly go. Question 723 in terms of food and treating our animals. Alan Kardec is asking, is humankind's use of animals as food contrary to the law of nature? So is it against the law of nature, against the law of God, that we use animals for food? Alan Kardec is asking. Interesting question, right friends? Let's see what the spirits are telling us. They say, with your present physical constitution, so there is a little bit of a um, limitation there, right? With our present physical constitution, flesh nourishes flesh. Otherwise, humans would perish. The law of self-preservation imposes on you the duty to preserve your energies and health so that you may fulfill the law of labor. You should therefore eat according to your physical requirements. Well, it sounds like eating meat is okay, right? But it is, let, let's continue. Let's continue here. 734 is our next question because, um, 7, 20, 734, yeah. 734, law of destruction. Is there present, so is the human's present state in the in the human in our present state do humans have an unlimited right of destruction in regards to animals so Alan Carter is now wondering okay so we're allowed to eat meat but do we have an unlimited right to kill animals and the answer is that right is limited to the need of providing for their food and safety abuse has never been a right so it sounds like we're only allowed to take the life of animals 
for exactly the need we have to nourish ourselves. But to go beyond that is not advisable. And then in question 735, Alan Kardec further on wonders, what about destruction that exceeds the limits of need and safety? Hunting, for instance, when it has no other objective than the pleasure of destroying needlessly. And here is the answer. It is a predominance of the animal nature over the spiritual nature of humans. So when we go hunting, it is our animal nature that allows us to do that unless it is we're murdering, killing an animal for our own physical needs. All destruction that exceeds the limits of need is a violation of God's law. So this is what we're getting in the Spirit's book. But there is also in, it is this beautiful book, Missionaries of the Light, where on page 43, Alexander, instructor Alexander, is teaching uh, André Louise, and he ex ex expands our vision a little bit more towards um, eating meat. And I know it's a sensitive subject and we're not recommending anything. We're just sharing information and you're also invited to look further uh, in the spiritist literature to get more clues uh, about whether to be vegetarian, vegan or eating meat. So um, André Louise is asking Alexander, what about when, what about humans in the physical realm? Weren't our tables maintained at the cost of the viscera of cattle and birds? So in other words, didn't we have cattle and birds on our table for food? And under the pretext of looking for sources of protein, we killed countless chickens and sheep, pigs and goats, André Luis is saying. So we were looking for protein, so we, count, we killed a lot of animals. We extracted their muscle tissue and chewed on their bones. It's quite descriptive what he's presenting us with. Not content with killing the poor things that were asking us for support on their path of growth and learning so that they could better tend to the Father's work, we increased the skill of our millenary, millenary, millenary exploitation and inflicted on many of them certain conditions so, so that they could most effectively serve our palate. So, he is alluding to factory farms, further exploitation, right? We're using our intellect to maximize our profits, to maximize our, our, um, yeah, our hunt in a way, right? Not necessarily our personal hunt, but there is a lot of meat production going on and with that, a lot of profit. And of course, with that also, maybe possibly some propaganda about, you know, the needs of having to eat meat. So then he says, the common pig was placed by us on a fattening diet. And the poor animal, often at the cost of waste, had to create reserves of fat for our use until it became completely prostrate under the weight of sickening and abundant lard. And what I find so fascinating is this book was written so many years ago. When was it? Was it maybe 50 years? I don't have the exact date right now. But it was written way before we, we want to say these factory farms and the, the poor pigs were force fed as they are today. I don't know whether you've seen online how, how commercial um, pigs are being kept in cages and force fed so they grow quick and fat, right? 
So when he's already talking about this, we placed geese on a fattening regimen for their livers to hypertrophy so that we, would, we could obtain pâtés for famous delicacies, unconcerned about the wrongs we were committing, supposedly on behalf of, of enriching culinary qualities. Right, friends? We felt no sorrow at seeing the touching picture of cows going to the slaughterhouse so that our pans could be filled with a good aroma. With scientific responsibility, we raised our need for a variety of proteins and fats, but we forgot that our minds, so productive in the discovery of convenience and comfort, might have the resources to find new elements and means of enhancing the supply of proteins. So he is now saying, you know, we have the brain. We know how to develop other sources of protein and we do not any longer need to rely on meat alone. And of course, now we're so much more advanced, right friends? And particularly here in the United States, there's some other countries too, but we're so far ahead. We know how to nourish ourselves, actually, if we want to, without meat and be fully nourished and also get our protein needs met. So we overlooked the fact that increasing dairy products to enrich our diet would comprise an uplifting task. So he's actually saying, so if we sustainably use dairy, um, and there of course some abuses are happening in the world too, that would be another way. He says, because a time will come for earthly humankind in which the stable, like the home, will also be sacred. Friends, that is our invitation. To raise our consciousness, our love, and our charity, to bring it to our, our friends of lesser development, the animals, lesser intelli intelligent development, and that is the animals, and to be more con discerning, in terms of what our needs really are and what is more indulgence. Because our friend, our beau vivant, is inviting us to be sober in our consumption of food and to focus on just eating to give us strength and not to indulge and not to feed our addictions and so forth. Again, this could be a therapeutic moment where we could ask ourselves, where am I in that? Where am I in recognizing the stable as a sacred part of my home? Yes, dear friends, let us continue. So otherwise they become more materialized. So if we do not adhere to what our beau vivant is recommending to us, for example, in terms of diet, he says, otherwise we will become more materialized instead of more purified. And when we become more materialized, what does that mean? We attach our Paris spirit, which is part of our soul, it surrounds our soul, and is linked to our physical form, molecule by molecule, that tie becomes stronger and it will cause us more pain in our moment of discarnation before during and after and we saw last week with our spirit michael he suffered immensely because he was a materialist he was a materialistically inclined person and he had a really hard time 
disconnecting himself from his physical form, disconnecting his perispirit from his physical body. So our work is via raising our consciousness, via focusing on our inner transformation to loosen those ties, starting already today by living a less material life. Human passions are narrow ties that embed themselves in the flesh, he says now. So do not allow them to imprison you. So when we're supposed to not use our passions to imprison ourselves, live. But do not become beau vivants. Don't become just materialistically inclined people, he says, living the good life. You don't know the price you will pay when you return to your true homeland. And isn't that the truth? We don't know. We don't really know how it feels. And thank you to this beautiful book and cardiac radio that we have this opportunity to educate ourselves more. Isn't it a blessing? Yes, it is a blessing. Live, but do not become bovivants. You don't know the price. Earthly passions rob you of everything before they cease, and you arrive naked, completely naked before the Lord, he says. Well, let us look at passions for a moment because it will help us open our minds a little bit. So when we go to heaven and hell, um, no, um, we, we're going to the Spirit's book, actually. And there is, under moral perfections, question nine, 907, we learn a little bit more about passions because there is good passions and there's not so good passions. And it's very important for us to actually make the difference. So question 907, let us quickly find that. Here we go, question 907. So this is chapter 12, part three, Moral Perfection, and there is a whole chapter on the passions. So Alan Kardec now is wondering, since the principle of our passions originates in nature, are they evil per se? So are our passions evil per se? And the answer is no. Passion is the result of excess brought about by our will. Though the principle itself was given to humans for their good. The passions can lead them to do great things. The abuse of them is what makes them evil. So we have passion. We were gifted with passion to do the good. For example, if we feel passionate about spiritism and the teaching, we will eventually, hopefully, pass on the information to other people. That is one example that is using our passion to do the good. But if we feel passionate about hunting every weekend and killing and not eating the meat, not using it just for the joy of hunting, then that might be a passion that is actually not serving us or anyone else. Right, friends? The passions are like a horse, the spirits teach us that is useful when controlled, but dangerous when it does the controlling. So we need to rein in our passions. We need to work with our, we need to educate our passions. Every passion that brings us nearer to the animal nature takes us further from the spiritual nature. Every sentiment that lifts us above the animal nature announces the predominance of spirit over matter and draws us closer to perfection. 
So let us be discerning, friends. Let us look at our passions and ask ourselves, are these passions doing helping us to do the good, to be of service in the name of Jesus Christ? Are we, is our GPS tuned into Jesus? Are we following God's will? Or are we actually drawing closer to our animal nature and creating a more materialistic state in our lives, connecting our peri-spirit even firmer with our physical form, which will allow us to experience more pain down the road and possibly already currently in our state? We have a choice. We can discern between the passions that serve the good and the passions that bring us down to a more base nature, bring us closer to our animal nature. All right, friends, we're coming to a close. We're wrapping up very soon. And uh, so here our friend says now, ah, cover yourselves with good deeds. And we will, we, we are listening to him. We're good students, right, friends? We want to learn and we want to do the good, even if it is not always convenient. I know our friend Tony often brings up the convenience factor, the inconvenience factor. When we do the good, sometimes we do the good when it's inconvenient, right, Tony? That is really important to remember, not to just do the good when it feels, when it's convenient for us. Like a bright robe, um, uh, cover yourselves with good deeds. They will help you narrow the gap that separates you from eternity. Like a bright robe, they will hide your human turpitudes, wickedness. Wrap yourselves in charity and love, divine garments that no one can take away. He says, wrap yourselves in charity and love. Those are the divine garments that no one can take away from us. We are now allowing ourselves in a renewed form to wrap ourselves in love and charity. What does that mean? One thing is for us to follow the golden rule, to do unto others as we would like them to do unto us. It is one form, beautiful, wonderful form of doing the good, of being charitable. We also know that there is a distinction between material and moral charity. The material charity being giving alms, helping people physically with things, supporting them, donating, cooking for the homeless. There's so many different forms, but there's also the moral charity. And the moral charity is, for example, our thinking, prayers, um, holding back our opinions, being benevolent, being indulgent and forgiving, forgiving always. As Jesus taught us to forgive 70 times seven, we can never forgive enough. These are all aspects of moral charity and always prayer. Now, this is the end of our Beau Vivant. However, there is a comment by the Medium's Guide and that is, this spirit is on the right path. 
we would agree, right friends? Because in addition to repentance, he adds advice to be wary of the dangers of the past that he himself had taken. He is really clear. He has learned a lot. He's teaching us of what to avoid and he's teaching us, he's telling us what to do, namely to wrap ourselves in charity and love. And then he says, recognizing his errors, it is already meritorious and an effective step towards the good. So let us make a mental note to ourselves. So when we're recognizing our mistakes, we're already on the right path. That is why his situation, albeit not happy, is no longer of a suffering spirit. Having repented, the reparation of another lifetime of trials is open to him. And that is his expiation, right? So we have repentance, expiation, and reparation. Well now, do you know the situation of persons who live sensual lives and who did not give their spirit any other activity than the incessant invention of new pleasures? The influence of matter follows them beyond the grave. Death does not put an end to their material appetites, which, which their sight as limited as it was, while on the earth seeks in vain the means to satisfy. So if we live a purely materialistic life, we manage to discarnate, our body is, our physical form is now separated from our peri-spirit. Our appetites, however, are still with us. And now we can become ghosts on this, on, uh, around uh, incarnates, wanting to feed our appetite still. And that is a very painful experience. For those of us, and I'm sure we all have been there, who have experienced extreme hunger, because we haven't had any food for a long time, it is a painful state. Now let's imagine to have that and never be able to fulfill that need, and sometimes for years. Having never sought spiritual nourishment, their souls wander in the void without aim, without hope and pray to the anguish of those who have nothing before them except a desert without end. Since they did not pursue spiritual endeavors while on the earth, they naturally cannot pursue any such work as spirits after death. So if we do not work on our inner transformation and if we're not studying um, spiritual literature and open our minds to our eternity, our eternal lifeline. If we don't educate ourselves this way, it's not going to happen overnight once we're excavated. Because we're still going to be the same people. We're still, people is not the right word, we're still going to be the same spirits. Right, friends? Nothing changes overnight. No longer able to satisfy their body, they have nothing to satisfy their spirit either. Thus, they experience mortal boredom and they cannot foresee the end of it. And that causes them extreme pain. They would prefer nothingness instead, but there is no such thing as nothingness. One can kill the body, but not the spirit. They must therefore continue to live this mental anguish until finally, overcome by the weariness of it all, they decide to turn their eyes towards God. So it is today that we can, and right now, turn our eyes towards God and inhale into this beautiful lesson that God 
in Jesus, Alan Kardec and the good spirits gifted us with today. A lesson so rich and helpful for us to remind ourselves in a renewed form to dematerialize our lives, to see ourselves as eternal spirits, to know that our cloak should be made of love and charity, to always seek the good, to feel the good and mold it with all the resources we can have and to never forget that all of it starts in our minds, that prayer and meditation is one of most effective tools for us to connect ourselves with God's will, that we remember to be benevolent, indulgent, and forgiving, and that we remember to be humble, to follow the golden rule, to do unto others as we would like to do unto them. And lastly, to make charitable use of the gifts we have received in this lifetime, to use our time wisely, our time to be of service. And with this and so much gratitude in our hearts, for everyone being present, for the good spirits supporting us, for the high spirits teaching us, for Jesus always being on our side and God, loving God surrounding us. And with this, we humbly ask for permission to close tonight's session. And so be it. Dear friends, Thank you so much for being here. Renata Casaday, thank you for watching. Thank you for joining. I hope I didn't overlook any of you of your friends. My phone doesn't always show everyone. And of course, there's all the on-demand listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed night and a beautiful, service-filled new week. God bless you. See you next week. Good night.